Hi, welcome to the Rhetoric Rabbit Hole. I'm your host, Alex, and today I've got with me Peter Ledetto. Uh, he runs a Facebook group uh, called The Viral Truth Dream Energy. And, um, you know, I, my producer, Neep, told me a little bit about you, and I've been reading your page, but why don't you um, give people a little bit of your background um, getting into it for people that don't know you? Sure. Uh, I was born in uh, Houston. Uh, I was raised in Massachusetts. Uh, I traveled across the country in my 20s to California. Um, I heard about New Orleans while I was out there. I ended up in New Orleans when I was about 24. I spent the last 20 years there, um, predominantly. And um, yeah, so I've, I've, I've been educating myself, you know, through independent research most of my time since I've left school. And uh, thank God for the internet because that allows us to do that. And yeah, yeah, it's true. So much at your fingertips. So you've been in New Orleans for 20 years. Yes. Damn. Well, that's that's exciting. I love New Orleans, but only at, I've only been a tourist, you know. It is well, you know, um, tourists end up becoming locals. That's a lot <laughs> of there. Yeah. I, I love the. Um, like the, the voodoo witch doctor aesthetic uh, that some areas have. Like, I, I'm very much into that aesthetic. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, it, it is, it, it is um, a, a function. It, it came, you know, New Orleans is uh, a, a crossing of many different streams of culture, of energy. And a lot of that is the, um, uh, you know, it's dominated by the African culture, and that's where the voodoo, you know, came from. Their um, their kind of uh, tribal practicing of what we would call religion, which is really just a manipulation of energies. We all do it. We all do it every day of our lives. We just don't. We don't really maybe realize it. Um, but uh, New Orleans has the most interesting and pro just eclectic combination of cultural uh, influences. I think perhaps in history. Yeah, it's such a melting pot. Like people talk about America that way, but like specifically New Orleans. Specifically New Orleans. And people don't realize how America has been influenced by New Orleans um, to the core. Um, all of you, I mean, you know, you're talking about a city that kind of exists in its own universe, but it is in the United States of America. Um, and we could go on and on about that for days if we wanted to. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what this is. We're just talking about New Orleans for two hours. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't see any reason to uh, let's just fucking get into it. Um, okay. Can you let's break down terrain theory for me, if you don't mind, just for like in a um, in a uh, in layman's terms for people watching and for myself. Okay, sure. So terrain theory basically says that germs are not bad. In fact, they are good. Germs don't come from outside of our body. They are created on the inside of our body as a response to illness and not the cause of illness. Terrain theory teaches us that illness itself is not a negative, a negative phenomenon and that it is actually a process of detoxification. And that the reason why people get sick and they die is because of essentially one disease, which is called toxemia. And that is just an overload of toxic elements in your body that triggers a full body detox or various different kinds of detoxes in order to get this toxic, you know, these toxins out that we experience as illness or getting sick. Mm. Okay. So it's the side effects of toxemia, basically. It is the symptoms of healing or what, you know, is, is referred to as a crisis of healing. So that, see, that opens up a couple of rabbit holes for me because I guess, so the, the, the big question, I guess, is um, if germ theory is propaganda, uh, why, why is it being propagated? Good question. Um, pretty simple, it's profitable. Um, the reason why terrain, the terrain model is not accepted by mainstream, uh, the, uh, the medical industry, is because it, the med uh, medicine is an industry. 
and it is based on profit. Now, sick people make money for the uh, medical industry. Healthy people do not. Uh, terrain theory is, is, you know, the, the, you know, terrain theory shows you and teaches you how to get healthy and stay healthy. Um, modern medicine is based on germ theory, which is uh, an endless war against fictitious diseases that they intentionally misinterpret for the crisis of healing as a disease so that you are constantly fighting your body's attempt to heal and therefore you are in a state of essentially constant sickness and a constantly sick person is a constant customer for the medical industry as it stands today. It's like as close to selling you or like taxing air as they can get. Like they're taxing your health basically. Like Exactly. They're, yeah. they're setting it up so that yes, you are paying for their lifestyle with your health. Um, this is sort of a separate thing, but ties in with this. Um, are you familiar with fluoride and um, the government using that in water and has been for a very long time? Um, uh, yes, I'm familiar with uh, many different things in our water, our air, our food, our cosmetics, our cleaning products, our technology. It is literally, we're literally living in a toxic, you know, an ocean of toxins. Mm. And, it's and like hard to get back. Yeah. Um, because that I I was watching um there's an old black and white movie, um, uh, Doctor Strangelove. It's an old Stanley okay. Kubrick movie. Um, anyway, it's it was made in the '60s, but there's a part in it where one of the characters starts talking about fluoride in the water and how it calcifies your pineal gland, and I'm like, this is in the fucking '60s. This is so ahead of its time. This is what people are talking about now, you know? Yeah. A anyway. I just thought that was interesting. Um, that, that is interesting. Um, also, just to quickly before you move on, there's also another scene in a movie called 12 Monkeys. I'm sure you're familiar with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw you posted that. Yes. Isn't that something? Yeah. That is really neat. Yeah. They talk about, you know, where Brad Pitt has uh, Bruce Willis in the, in the insane asylum with him, and he goes on a rant about what is, you know, what is... Um, Know, germ theory what if what if there were no germs and what is you know that all about and am i crazy for thinking that well what would you say to me if, if that were true well the majority rules is not necessarily sanity because all you have to do is convince everyone of a lie. right right now that's okay so how how are they doing that how are they getting away with that because how are they I, getting away with that that's a great question so it starts with their little you know, uh, with, well, let's, let's back up a little bit. Germ theory is a fraud, okay? And the, the bare fact is, is that in history so far, they have not been able to isolate a contagious microbe of any kind. In fact, there is no such thing as a virus. What a virus uh, is is something that Louis Pasteur, um, you know, postulated was the reason for sickness, which he at the time could not identify with his microscopes. So later on in history, when they could see smaller things, they began, they immediately thought, well, those are the viruses that Pasteur was talking about, but they in fact are actually mistaken for exosomes, which are just cellular waste. When you are sick, again, you're detoxing. So your cells are pushing out extra waste. So there's gonna be a heightened you know, um, mass of, of cellular waste every time you're sick. Therefore, you know, modern medicine is looking at that and saying, well, every time somebody is sick, they have this heightened, you know, virus or exosome count. Um, therefore, that ex those exosomes are the reason for the sickness when, in fact, that would be akin to blaming firefighters for a fire because at every fire, you see firefighters, correct? Mm-hmm. So what they do is, so by doing that, by, by misinterpreting intentionally, um, misinterpreting what is going on on the cellular level, they are able to build an empire of fictitious diseases. Every one of those diseases is 
you know, making them money because they each have their separate army of toxic medication that they're going to sell you to fight the disease, which we know is actually fighting our attempts to heal. And again, that keeps you sick and keeps their ball, uh, you know, their, their wheel of profit rolling. I got you. So, I mean, there's definitely incentive and it's, it's something where a lot of people are just confused about the science on it is what it sounds like. It's like, um, but I'm, I'm sure there's, yeah, what, what would, cause I'm sure you get questions like this a lot. Um, what, what about all of the people in those fields practicing, you know, like, like trying to further medicine that uh, believe in germ theory? What gets them on that boat? Is it just, is it just, uh, I guess what I'm asking is, do you think it's just like, um, because it's in their textbooks, it's what they're taught or do you think people could arrive on the same conclusion that Louis Pasteur did on their own? Um, okay, so from all accounts that I have, you know, heard through the research of actual physicians who have been through medical school, the first thing that they do is they pump your ego as far as big as it can possibly get. And they tell you that you are the best, you're the top, of the field of the cream of the crop of humanity and nobody can tell you anything else. So they really get them like that and then they proceed to brainwash them from there for the next four to 10 years of their life or whatever. And that process of brainwashing, which is very lucrative for them as well. So there's a financial you there's know, a lot of incentive, yeah. There's an ego incentive and there's a financial incentive in there they're intertwined, okay. of course. Yeah. So that's, how they, that's how they get you. So it's pride and money, basically. Essentially, yes. Hmm. And that's, you know, it's funny because that's what it always is, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't that it? And pride, yeah. money, and love, you know. And what? Love. Or yeah. Mistake, you know? Yeah. The great incentives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, um... I feel like this is a good point where we can talk about vaccines. Um, so according to terrain theory, there are no uh, viruses. So um, the vaccines that the government is giving you um, under this theory, um, what I, I guess I guess let's break into isopathy and what you believe they're trying to accomplish with these vaccines. Right. So they have convinced us that is a good idea to inject yourself with some of the most toxic neurotoxic chemicals on earth in order to get yourself sick to make yourself healthy on the face right there i mean before i even knew about germ theory i came to the conclusion that that was insanity that just does not make any sense okay so let's you know if you examine it even further the fact that there is no virus, that they have not isolated a contagious microbe of any kind or ever observed a microbe attacking another cell. Now we can get into what bacteria and fungus are. They are designed by the body to eat dead or dying cells to keep the body clean. You know, bacteria and actually what germs are, are nature's cleanup crew. They're not nature's terrorists. So given the fact that we know that a virus and contagious microbes do not exist, then what it's, it's exactly are they doing with vaccines? If you took a sick person and extracted bodily fluid from them and injected it into you with nothing else but that fluid, you might have a small rash or something from the injection, but there would be absolutely nothing would happen to you, you know, health-wise. So the only thing that you're reacting to in a vaccine are the toxins that they make them with. And they know that there is no such thing as a contagious element. Therefore, the only thing that vaccines can possibly be designed to do is to destroy your health. Okay, so, so there's no okay. thing a safe vaccine. There never was and there never will be because vaccines are by default, totally in incapable of giving you anything in the way of health because 
there's no such thing as a virus, therefore there's no such thing as immunity. In fact, we don't even have an immune system. What we have is a system of deto a detoxification system, and that involves all kinds of different organs and, and you know, glands and this and that, and the blood itself, of course. So vaccines are totally irrelevant to help other than to destroy it. So um, when you're introducing, if there's no such thing as a virus, what is detrimental about introducing these foreign um, things to your body with the vaccines? Well, they are, again, they are, vaccines are, just look at the ingredients. <laughs> I mean, they're made with the most dangerous, some of the most dangerous chemicals on the face of the planet. Okay. So the question is, why are they doing that, right? And so the answer to that would be um, financial and also uh, ideological, because there is definitely a depopulation uh, element to this new world order, if you want to call it that. And there is also a financial element, again, of keeping you sick so that you can keep profits rolling for the medical industry. So it sounds to me like what you're saying is um, when someone gets sick, it's not because of any foreign influences on their life. It's, it, or is that incorrect? Um, the, the, uh, here's the, okay, so here's the essential thing about terrain theory um, that is beautiful for you and that is dangerous for the medical industry. You have the power to self-diagnose. You can be your own doctor because the only reason why you're getting sick is for the ingestion, inhalation, or injection of toxins. Okay, so it is it is foreign toxins introduced to the body that makes someone yes, sick. But okay. you, but you control for the most part whether those toxins are okay. you or not. Now, in some ways, you don't. You know, I mean, there's the five G thing that they maybe that they're hitting us with. We have control of that, not on a daily basis. I can't just burn down the five G tower. Um, but although some people have done that, but. Um, mm -hmm. the, the water is full, like, like you said earlier, the water is full of toxins. Our food is the number one factor. You are what you eat. Our food and our diet is the number one factor in, uh, you know, to, towards our well-being or our illness. Um, what you take and put directly into your body is what you are made of. And that is the number one thing. Our, our diet is really what is killing us. We are digging our graves with a fork and knife. Uh, so terrain theory is basically saying you need to take responsibility for your health and your lifestyle is going to you know, decide how healthy you are. A lot of people don't like that. People would rather prefer to keep doing what they're doing to go to a doctor and say, fix me. You know, I don't want to change anything. I just want you to give me a pill and make it go away. And right. that's what actually ends up making things a lot worse because you're... That's what gets them. Right. My my mom um, <clears throat> had an accident when she was 16 and it uh, left her with like whiplash, car accident. And um, from the time she was 16 onwards, she's just had um, like fibromyalgia and migraines and just a lot of like... Uh, like tension headaches and stuff. Mm -hmm. So she went to the doctor and he prescribed Lyrica to her, which, um, <laughs> you know, she didn't know this at the time, the science wasn't there, but this drug um, has a crazy, crazy uh, withdrawal symptoms. It's, it's on par with heroin. People die going cold turkey off of this. And this is something prescribed by the government, you know? This is something I mean, they, they don't give a fuck how about your health. They just care about your money. And well, so, they, yeah. Well, I guess they care about keeping you safe. That's yeah. how they care about your health. Yeah. So, I mean, so, yeah. Go ahead. How did your mother deal with that? Um, she was very dependent on that medication for about 20 years. And then uh, she quit cold turkey and it almost killed her. She was bedridden, just like, I mean, like her body was going through absolute turmoil because she was experiencing withdrawal symptoms, you know, like you do from heavy, uh, when, you, when you take a heavy drug for 20 years and then don't all of a sudden. 
Um, yeah, she's very lucky to be alive. A lot of people die from that one specifically. Um, um, yes, I have uh, years, a few decades worth of experience with those people, loved ones, struggling with pharmaceutical drug addiction, um, psychiatric, as well as, you know, just opiate body-based. Uh, and yes, you're exactly right. They are dangerous. They are, they, so what your mother was going through was a detox, right? Mm -hmm. So withdrawal is essentially just another word for detox. And a detox can be, um, you know, it, it, they call it a crisis of healing for a reason. It's painful. You know, when you damage your body, you insult your body with all these toxins, you're going to pay for it down the line one way or another. You right. know? And, when, and you, when you pay for it, it's through the healing process. So people mistake that pain and everything is, is for something that for the actual, you know, for the actual disease itself. Mm -hmm. it kind of makes sense, right? Because it's yeah. something that you need there for, make that bad thing go away, and I'll be good. Um, but that's not how it works. So your mother was going through, a, like you said, a 20 years worth of toxic overload. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, when you begin to detox, and, you know, there are, there are, homeopathic practitioners based on the train model who know um, very well how to guide you through those kinds of dangerous detoxes because if you don't know what you're doing, you can actually succumb to the detox process itself, but that is an extremely, you know, intense case mm -hmm. of that. Right. Um, yes, that is what your mother was going through, and I'm glad she made it through, and she made a, a yeah. wise, brave choice because it is not easy. And she's much better now, you know, without it. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm glad to hear that, man. And those are the stories we need to share. Right. Those are the people need to know that they can come out the other side of that detox process and get back to health. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, if you, if you, uh, that's like, it reminds me, um, I might have this backwards, but I believe it was heroin was in, invented or isolated in order to get people off of morphine. Which right. is just, so you're just replacing one thing with uh, another problem. It's like, well, that's exactly right. Um, yeah. Hydroxychloride, the H2C that we keep hearing about, um, you know, is a major uh, distraction in the sense that because one, what it does is it, they always present it as something that's treating the virus, right? Mm hmm we know that the virus doesn't exist. So as long as they have us talking about something that treats the virus and arguing about whether it's making the virus go away or not, then we're still in the narrative of there being a virus. Mm -hmm. and that's what the, the HPC is meant to do. And so all that is is just another suppressant of a, of a detox symptoms. So people say all the time, well, what if this patient is about to die because they're so detox intoxicated that their detox process is going to kill them. And the HTC uh, is going to save them from that and save their life in that moment. You know, and my response is, well, yes, if your leg was caught in a bear trap and there was a wild animal about to eat you, you would cut your leg off to survive, right? So you could, someone could take you out of there. But you don't want to make a medical, you know, base a medical model off of cutting your leg off, right? Okay. So the fact is, is that the trap was made and set by pharmaceutical drugs as well. So you, you can't, so that argument doesn't make sense either. Mm. Just because in that one instance, it, it may, you know, you know, save your life for that moment, you are still suffering from, most of the time when people are, you know, at an elderly age, um, a, a, a buildup of pharmaceutical drug toxification anyway. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're definitely on the same page about that. Right, um, it's more the same, you know. Right, so I guess my next question for you would be, um, what's your forecast for the future? Where do you think the world is headed, uh, specifically within this area of medicine and knowledge about it? Uh, I believe that that this pandemic, pandemic, however you want to call it, <laughs> awoken the bear, if you will, of human consciousness. I believe that it was already on the process of awakening to the forces that we have allowed ourselves to be controlled by. 
and that involves the bank mafia and the medical mafia that they run. And um, so in the past six or seven months since this hit, I think a lot of people like you and me have learned more about this than we ever would have thought we would in a lifetime. Right. Yeah. Right. Because it's, <laughs> it's, it's pertinent to, to our lives now. Yeah, you, you can't ignore it now. So where is it going? I think that is a great thing. There is a silver lining to this to this situation, which is, you know, these powers that be um, knew, they know that we were already coming to an awakening. And like we talk about the internet being uh, our ability to communicate as a globe is a real threat to their power as well. So all of this awakening they are trying to stop. And they're trying to create a revolution to end all revolutions. And that is what this whole process, that is the greater agenda that they're after. That is why they are trying to take away our liberties, essentially, for good. That, now, yes, go ahead. I was just going to say, who, um, in the context you're speaking of, who is they? Who is this conspiracy? Yes. Is it specifically so, okay. the U.S. government? Is it a world conspiracy? Um, so it, it is the bank mafia. It, it is the the royals, the royalties, and the, the the banking families that run, you know, the material show. They are the financial masters. Um, however, that you know, they say, you know, that's their world. That's that's how they function. From you know, it's based on fear, intimidation, deceit, essentially. I wrap them all together and, and, and I tend to call them the cult of deceit because mm -hmm. that's what all of these so-called secret societies about. Their secret is how to rule by deceit. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what we are growing up into as a species is saying, well, we don't want to be ruled by that anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. And they know that. So they know that they don't have a future in an emancipated and awakened humanity. So they have to keep it isolated contain yeah yes so they have to scare us with uh, fake diseases into handing our liberties over to them you know and and masking our our beauty so um as we've discussed you don't believe in viruses so with um what's going on today in our current situation what do you think we're actually looking at what we're looking at is uh, the initial phases of, I think, kind of, you might compare it in parallel, you know, to a global detoxification of a, a very toxic way of life that we've all been living. I want to make it, you know, clear, I am not looking at this as an us versus them, a good versus evil thing, because whoever they are, they're part of the human species. Right. And part yeah. That's a very good point, so, because I think a lot of people miss that. Yes, so uh, to make it about uh, a war between us and them actually plays right back into their psychosis. And mm -hmm. that's what they are. They're, they're psychotic because they, they are so beyond rich. They have so much material wealth that they don't have anyone to check them morally. They don't have a, 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 a self-reflective a, a self um, you know, capability. And in the end, of course, that's going to be their, you know, their, their weakness. Because as you know, and, and, you know, we've all been through a time in our life where we have self-deluded ourselves, you know, have, have been living some kind of lie. And during that time, the one thing that helped us probably more than anything was a true friend to say, you know, listen, man, let me yeah. give you a little slap on the face. You know, you're messing up. This is your, listen, look at what you're doing. Wake up. Yeah, I I hate yes men. I always surround myself with people who will challenge my ideas. It's like exactly, and yeah. and I don't believe that when you get to that level of power that you have that, and you're not going to create that with your own. Right, when you're that level, who has the balls to tell you you're wrong? And do you have the balls to tell yourself you're wrong? Because yeah. like that that ultimately would be what 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 would you know start to change. Mm -hmm. So they have an option. They could they could potentially be part of the next phase of, of, of human awakening and have a role in it if they were to humble themselves and say, well, we're going to relinquish this amount of power so that we can uh, be a part of a greater power 
and not be just totally irrelevant. But they don't have that self-reflective ability, so they're going to make war on that new awakening. And therefore, they are going to be dissolved into it probably. I don't believe that they will exist in any form that we look at today. But is, there is going to be a, you know, if there's going to be a few years of, of trial and tribulation, during those times, it is really important for guys like you to be doing what you're doing and giving voice to people talking about the key to freedom, which is health. And that's what you're doing. So God bless you for that. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Same to you. Um, what you're doing is is important. I think. Um... Yeah, just sharing ideas. And you, you also, like, you have some very controversial ideas, but you don't mind me challenging them. You don't mind people talking to you about it and asking you questions about it at all, which, which I think that's great. I think um, if you are going to have a strong opinion, you have to be able to put yourself to the, to the to stone. Like, like, that's the thing. Is, um, like, I was raised um, as a Jehovah's Witness, as sort of like a, I would call it a religious cult. But anyway. <laughs> there's a lot of like dogmatism and like locking yourself into an idea um, and not letting anyone challenge that idea. That's, that's what dogmatism is, is, you know, my idea is supreme. It doesn't matter what the fuck you say about it. Um, so um, I think like dogmatism is the enemy of humanity really is uh, thinking you've got, you're so in the right that you're not going to listen to anyone else. Um, it's dangerous. Yeah. Um, for sure, and like, like free, like like we've been saying, like free exchange of ideas like this is so important. And when you when you're talking about people in positions of power um, with the big egos and all the money behind them, they don't have the self reflection to do what we're doing right now. Exactly, and that is that is their weakness. Mm -hmm. It's important to remember that. That uh, I mean, just look at look at mainstream media. Look at the, the nonsense. The, the, the story about the virus is just nonsensical from top to bottom. It keeps changing. One day it's this, one day it's not that. When, you know, the virus somehow loves big box stores or doesn't like big box stores, won't go into Walmart or it won't, you know, touch Amazon's products, but it really likes bars and small businesses. So those mm -hmm. all have to be up, right? And yeah. 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 That's a really good point. <laughs> and it's even the idea of something getting into your cell and transcribing it and controlling your DNA to, to create more of itself, you know, why would it ever stop? It would just consume your entire body, wouldn't it? I mean, that's I mean, when I was looking at um, the thing you, it, I think it was you, it might have been someone else in that group uh, in Viral Truth Pre-Emergy, but someone made a post about isopathy and how how, I mean, you, you've been talking about it on, on the podcast here so far a little bit, but... Um, yeah, that, uh, was actually, that was from... Uh, Keith had posted that on the Anarchy site. Oh, did he? Page, I'm sorry. Oh. On that page. And I reposted that because it was just, it was really, it was, it was beautiful. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, because what, what that was getting into, at least the one I was thinking of is... Um, like, I mean, yeah, you, you were talking about it earlier, like the idea of introducing a toxin into your body in order to give you an immunity to it is a strange concept. I'm also, I'm not educated on the subject at all. So when I hear that, I, I guess I just kind of accept that, you know? Right, of course. And even after all of these months of, of researching germ theory uh, and, and understanding the fraud of germ theory and the, the truth about terrain theory, I even find myself still you know, hesitating to pick up uh, a straw or something I see on the ground outside or having my kids play with it or something. It's really deep ingrained in us to be afraid of these invisible, you know, the, the invisible enemy of germs, you know, mm. so it's, it's going to take some time to turn that around. Yeah. And it, yeah, I appreciate what you're doing too, man, because I can tell you really, um, you're passionate about what you're saying and you're trying to help people. And that's, that's a uh, very commendable. Um, well, I mean, absolutely, there are countless people that came before us that, you know, blazed our trail and um, who are still among us. And some of them, you know, in the past, it starts with Antoine Béchamp and Claude Bernard um, back in France. And, um, you, know, the, the you know, the opposition to uh, Louis Pasteur of, of that time 
Okay. And, and going on from there through, you know, uh, countless people that, that are still, you know, doing it today. Um, Dr. Stefan Blanca, um, you know, Dr. Thomas Cowan, um, you know, and Dr. Andrew Kaufman, Amanda Volmer, Dr. Um, Jennifer Daniels, uh, um, T.C. Fry, the list goes on and on. I mean, I could sit here for an hour and talk about them. Um, you know, Don and, and David Parker who wrote a, an amazing book called uh, What Really Makes You Ill, Everything You Thought You Knew About, you know, Disease is Wrong. That's a, a must read. And there's, there's just a, a wealth of, of these people's, you know, a wealth of, of knowledge that we are basing this movement on and we're very blessed to have them. There must be some kind of pushback against terrain theory because this is the first I've ever heard about it. Like, I had no idea there was all this research being done. And well, of course, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, you're not going to hear about it on mainstream media, mm -hmm. that's for sure. Yeah. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, there's a lot, like you said, there's a lot of incentive not to. Of course, there's every incentive in the book. And even in the um, alternative uh, health community, you'll see pushback against it. There are homeopaths, naturopaths, and herbalists, you know, who, who um, will fight, fight it uh, violently um, because they're making money off of their health regime. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the, the purest thing about terrain theory is it's not a profitable, you know, paradigm because basically it's giving all of the power to you yeah. as an individual to, to decide your fate. And there's not a lot of money to be given to uh, individual in individual freedom, is there? So that's why mm -hmm. individual freedom is always under attack. You know? I, um, this is kind of a hard segue, but I noticed on um, your page, you had been talking about um, altered mindsets. And I, I noticed that you said you were a visual artist and um, a writer. Um, was that your post? Yes. Okay. So um, altered mindsets and art are two of my favorite subjects. Um, so I guess uh, what when you were making art, what is your process like? Is this something that just comes to you? Um, do you sit down and make a ritual out of it? Or? Yeah. Um, the dream energy aspect of the, the, um, the viral truth dream energy group is, involves this idea. Um, you know, and I've had this, you know, a lot of discussions with people about the role of altered states of consciousness, whether they be drug-induced or whether they be, uh, some people have um, you know, painful, you know, uh, physical ailments that actually can lead to right. altered states and uh, visionary experiences. So, um, but underneath it all, really, we are all experiencing a psychedelic altered state of out-of-body consciousness experience every time you lay your head down to go to sleep and you dream. Right. So dreaming is the fundamental aspect to all living things. And therefore, it, it, I think it's appropriate to say that um, altered states of consciousness uh, are kind of the, the norm for reality. And, and from that altered state, you, you gain a perspective of inspiration wherever you think it comes from. That's often what, you know, what the creative process is all about. So this, this dream energy, does that, that gets into like sleep healing as well, about stillness and about... Um... Yes, yes. Okay. So it's interesting because when you think about energy itself, in the, in, uh, in the physical dimension, um, you know, energy is generally, um, uh, you know, is, is a process that involves uh, an imbalance of energy and one... Um, one um, store of energy, one greater store flowing into a lesser store. And then that flow, we, uh, you know, that's where we um, pull the energy from, that, that friction, if you will. Okay. Um, but there's one exception, and that's when we are, you know, dreaming, when we recharge our bodies and our minds. So when you lay down to go to sleep, you're not moving at all. You're essentially in a comatose state. And that's the only way you can access the energy of the dream dimension, if you will, 
So when the body is resting and recharging, the, the con your consciousness does not need to rest. In fact, it is in some stages of sleep more active than when you're awake. So it's like, yeah. clearly is an infinite source. It does not need to rest at all. And so the question is, where is that energy coming from? Can we tap into dream energy directly in the physical dimension? Hmm. Interesting. I think, um, <laughs> which, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the research on it would be, but um, like that sort of uh, waking yet dreamlike state, um, trying to in in harness that sounds like psilocybin mushrooms. Absolutely. Uh, psychedelics, uh, if anything, create a waking dreamlike state, mm -hmm. right? And so um, that is, you know, that, that is essentially what they do. Some of them to different, more or less degrees than others. Some of them are more or less toxic than others. And so this is another issue that comes up within terrain theorists within even that community is are drugs toxic? Are there any good drugs? Can a toxin be good for you in any particular scenario? Um, my answer to that would be if in, in the case of psychedelics. Absolutely. Um, yes. Yeah. yes, it is worth the toxic, the toxic um, charge to your body, the toxic tax, if you will, on your body for not for, not for everyone, but in my personal experience, you know, it has been, it has been worth it. Some of the psychedelics more than others. Some of them I mean, are more toxic than others, I should say. They're giving mushrooms to soldiers with PTSD now to help them cope Absolutely. with it. They're giving it to terminal cancer patients to help them deal with the idea of dying. And they're giving it to um, people who are addicted, addicted to harder drugs to wean them off of it with amazing success. So I would say absolutely this toxin can be used as a medicine. Yes, I would agree with that. Now, I want to say, though, that not everyone in, I do not represent the entire community of terrain theory um, here, or to the terrain model practitioners. Uh, when, you know, when I say that, there are a lot of people who feel that no, there is no toxin in any form that can be good for the body ever. Yeah. I got you. So you're, that yeah, well. you're just um, you're just laying out that you're speaking for yourself. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Um, so hydroxychloroquine, can you explain that to me a little bit better? Because you made a brief post about it, um, and it caught my interest. Yeah, I mean it's just another pharmaceutical drug. Uh, okay, so people say, well, it's this natural thing, and then, well, guess what? Even natural you know, uh, stimulants or natural, um, you know, products are, are, are just, they are just um, suppressants, just like a pharmaceutical drug would be a suppressant of the symptoms of healing. So just because it's natural does not mean that it's good for you. It's still suppressing your body's attempt to express its own healing crisis. So the HTC um, is just another example of that. And so, you know, we're talking about it uh, as if it's a cure for a disease that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And that's the other element of it. Okay. Okay, so, well, let me get more, a little bit more into that, if you don't mind. No, yeah, um, go, please. They're saying it treats what people are describing as symptoms of 5G radiation poisoning, which is, has to do with uh, respiration, right, the lungs. And so the, the only problem I have with that is that coronavirus literally has been attributed to every possible symptom you can think of, including people that were not even tested, including a, a goat and a papaya in Tanzania, including people that are healthy. Okay, so coronavirus is, is not something that is a sign, it doesn't exist. And therefore, um, so it's important to remember that too. So HQC, while while I'm not ruling out that 5G and you know, electromagnetic frequencies are affecting us, especially respiratorily, but that is just one in a thousand symptoms that are blamed for coronavirus mm -hmm. anyway. So, um, you know, despite there not being viruses, there is still a possibility that I could somehow transmit toxins to you, either through airborne means or some other way, right? I'm sorry, can you say that again? Um, you, um, even according to like terrain theory, like despite there not being viruses, there are still ways in that I or someone else could 
like transmit toxins to you, either like through airborne means or some other means, right? Absolutely. Okay. You could poison someone in any thousand number of different ways you can imagine, and that is happening. So do you think um, with whatever it is going on right now, um, you know, people are getting sick, regardless of what the cause is, do you think um, like social distancing and like wearing masks and things like that is still a preventative thing that can keep people healthy? No. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, the entire operation of, of social distancing, the entire details of their recommendations for how they handle this fake pandemic are, are contributing to illness and death. Okay. Um, but let, let's say like, because I mean, people are getting sick though. So people get sick from toxic, ex toxic exposure, right? So we've got toxic air, toxic food, you know, toxic water, um, cosmetics, cleaning products, technology, um, toxic relationships. Let's also, you know, say that an element does exist that has to do with emotions. So if you're in a toxic relationship, you're in a really stressful work environment, etc. That can affect how your body is processing toxins. Okay, so of course we're not just flesh and bone; we are energy. So that is true. That's right. an element. That's um, another aspect of what you're taking into yourself. Is you know the yes, people. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But, Okay, so um, regardless of how I got it, you know, uh, if I if I developed some toxin and I there's still a potential that I could spread it to you, right? No. So when you say I got it, you know, you, you don't you don't catch disease, you earn okay. it, right? So you're you're not you didn't get anything. Your body, when you say it, we're talking about as a sickness. Now remember that the sickness is an expression of detox. Okay. Okay. So you, I can't, I can't pass my toxins from my body to you any more than I can pass my health from my body to you. Okay. So, um, so sicknesses don't transfer. There's not, I mean, cause you're saying it's not, you know, it's totally something from within you that's made from yourself. Toxins are not contagious. Okay. Okay. However, toxic emotions are contagious. Hopefully emotions are contagious. No, but toxins are not. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any debating that. Emotions are definitely contagious. Sure. Um, um, so, okay. So, just trying to to wrap my head around this. So, um, the, so there is no way to spread these toxins. So there is no reason to social distance, in your opinion. Absolutely not. No, there is okay. absolutely no reason to wear a mask or to keep yourself away from somebody. There is no such thing as a contagious disease, period. Okay. You could spit into my mouth and I would not get sick. In fact, after the, the 1918 uh, Spanish flu, uh, quote unquote, uh, you know, pandemic, which was created largely by vaccines, um, a group of scientists in Boston did an experiment where they extracted bodily fluids from uh, a couple hundred, uh, you know, quote unquote, sick people um, and injected them directly into a couple hundred healthy people and not one of them got sick. Interesting. That's just so backwards from what people think and what we're taught, you know. Yes, it is. We're living in a Twilight Zone episode and we've got to wake up to find our way out of it. I got gotcha. you. Um, <clears throat> with, with getting into dream energy and altered states, um, do you think there's any validity to, uh, things like astral projection, like leaving your, your body, like disconnecting? I mean, I guess you could say that's what dreaming is. That, that's what you could say dreaming is. Yes. Well, you know, yeah. a very rich topic and, and one that I don't think is, is, um, talked about enough because it's so primal to our existence. What is a dream? You know, it seems like it feels yeah, like... Yeah, no one has any idea. <laughs> yeah, well, we do have ideas because we, we experience them. We just okay. don't, we don't put the, you know, we don't, we don't talk about it enough, I think. Um, yeah. 
I'm not really into dream interpretation in terms of what it means to you, what your dream, quote unquote, means. But what I'm more interested in is how, how the role that it plays and the different types of dreams there are. In other words, so some dreams feel like a collage of just a bunch of random things that you've seen during the day. And it feels like your consciousness just kind of makes a movie out of it, you know, and that's fine. It doesn't mean anything. It's just, it's just the act of creation. There are other dreams where it feels like you are not in your own consciousness. You are traveling to a separate place mm -hmm. that has its own biofield, that has its own element and own location. You know, and then there are some dreams which are premonitory, you know, of course. And then there are some dreams which are so lucid that you don't even realize that it's a dream or you do realize that it's a dream and it's just as real as the waking day. Yeah, there's very many kinds, you're right. Yeah, really, and that's scratching the surface. Right. Um, this is um, not. This is something I ask uh, everyone who comes on the podcast. Um, it's not something I would particularly pertain to this conversation. Um, it's just something I like to, to ask people. Um, do you have any experiences you would consider supernatural, um, or you can't explain them through logical means? Sure. Yeah. Um, and they all essentially involve dreams. Um, okay. The mother of my children and I um, had um, multiple visions of each other's, um, uh, of our children, having children before they were born, before, before we were even together after the first day we met. Holy shit. Um, yeah. Um, and before the, the day before we went into the, um, the hospital for our sonogram, to see, you know, uh, the first pictures of the baby. I had a dream that um, a child was looking up at me and said, hello, my name is Twin. Um, so I told her that in the lobby before we went in to the, to this, you know, to the ultrasound room. And um, it turns out that, you know, we ended up, that there are twins, we have twins. Wow. So stuff like that, as far as supernatural things, there are people that can see energies and see, you know, spirits and can, there's all kinds of, there's a whole spectrum spectrum of it. Personally, my own experience in relationship to this, what you might call supernatural, is through dreams. And so I think that's why I focus a little bit more on that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely interesting. It seems like you have you have clairvoyant dreams or premonitions. From time to time. It's not an, it's really, it's not a, it's it, not a concept. Yeah, it's just something that's happened to you. Yeah. Yeah, it I, happened with the painting as well in, in, my, in my artwork before I was an art before I got into visual art um, and that's a whole other subject we can get into too yes they're, they're, for me they've been focused on dreams um, yeah if you don't mind getting into that what is your history with art and um, what generally do you make do you make portraits or mm -hmm. so um, I started painting when I was 32 and uh, I just dove into it head first and um, the, I just stuck to portraiture. Um, so when I first started painting, I would take, I would document the paintings after they were done with a little cheap little flip phone. This was back in like 2011. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a, an iPhone or anything like that. So, um, but it had a little option on it that showed a, a negative lens. And so I would look at these paintings through the negative lens. And I thought that that, it, that inverted color yeah. spectrum fascinating. And then I had a dream about painting in that spectrum okay so I said that's cool let you know whatever and then um, shortly after that I made a painting of Jim Morrison uh, with total like black skin and fiery red and yellow hair Whoa. and documenting it through you know taking a picture of the finished product it flashed in the negative for a second and I saw a hidden positive uh, positive image. So what I had done was I had painted a negative and not even realized it. Mm. I was painting the negative dimension that I had dreamed about and I had not realized. So when I did realize it, people seemed to like that. So I just went on a whole, you know, ever since then, my, you know, you know, my series of painting has been called dream energy. It started out as negative energy, but I just figured that was too negative. And so uh, it changed, it morphed into dream energy. And um, there's an app that a great friend of mine, Romain Boxus, uh, created for me uh, called uh, Fluxon Art app. And if you go to my page, Dream Energy Works on Facebook, 
added that's my painting page and you pull up the paintings and then you take your phone and you download the app and look at the paintings through that app you'll see the hidden positive dimension of these negatively painted images that's awesome that's uh very unique um yeah you have such a rich history with dreams um do you have you ever lucid dreamed yeah uh, I used to do a lot more than I do now, actually, okay. but they do, you know, it's, it's crazy because we are all literally dreamers, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, that's our nature. Our nature is, to, is from another place, dimension, realm, whatever you want, you know, whatever anyone wants to call it. That's our nature. So it, 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 we all have a rich history with dreams, um, in fact. Yeah, right? that's true. Yeah, I guess every individual has that. Um, mm -hmm. I, I've only lucid, I only have one recollection of lucid dreaming, and it's because I was keeping a dream journal and trying to lucid dream. Like, I was taking mm -hmm. steps in order to do so. Um, okay. And what, what happened was, um, you know, I was, <clears throat> I'd, I'd gotten into um, chaos magic and the occult and, one of the books I was reading, Lyra Newell, had a chapter on lucid dreaming. So I was practicing that. And it was just one of the instructions was to keep a journal. Um, you know, right before you go to bed, you write down, uh, or excuse me, uh, first thing you do when you wake up in the morning is write down what your dream was. And uh, before you go to bed, first thing, you, last thing you do is think about dreaming. So, or, or remembering your dream at least. So it puts that in your mind that, whenever you go to bed, you're going to focus on dreaming. And then, you know, cause you know, when you wake up, you're going to write it down. That's in your mind already. Um, so what kind of dream was it? I, it's really weird. I was trying to, yeah, one of the um, things the book asked me to do was find, like pick a focus and try to manifest something within your dream. Um, so I was, I focused on a black cat and I was trying to uh, get a black cat to appear in my dream. And I wasn't able to do that, but the, what the dream was, I was in this, this um, very, like a very large house. Um, and I go up the stairs and there's this, like this dread, like this ominous feeling in the pit of my stomach. And I open this door to a bedroom and I see all these people with like animal masks on and they're all naked and they're having this orgy. And it's very um, like eyes wide shut kind of thing. It's like just some like secret organization giant sex orgy thing. And um, I realized I'm not supposed to be saying this. This is like some, some something private. So I immediately start running. Like I run down the stairs and people start chasing me out of the house. And um, I run outside and I take a, a wrong turn and I uh, got my back to like this wooden fence. And this guy, you know, runs out and corners me with a shotgun. And I remember thinking like, oh, I'm about to die. This is, he's about to kill me. And um, there was like, time slowed down. It's like, I'm just waiting for this guy to pull the trigger and kill me. And then I realize I'm dreaming. It's like, oh, shit. So, I mean, I become aware of that and I lose all fear of the situation. I realize I'm in control. And I, I kind of like force push him away. And he's like, goes flying. And then I just like, I'm like, oh, this is sick. So I just like take off and start flying. And I remember like the dream started dissipating and breaking down at that point uh, because I was waking up. But, um, but like one of the last things I remember is just like the way the wind felt and the, the like hearing the, the leaves rustle in the ear, like in my ear next to me. And it's like so real, like they're indistinguishable from reality, even though I was aware I was dreaming, you know? Yeah. Yes, I do. I've had all of those elements, you know, in dreams before, um, you know, the fear of being chased, the, the ability to fly, the ability to move things, as you say, force move things with your mind. Um, let me ask you a question. When, when you were flying and things started to dissipate, did you start to spin out of control? Spin. It's like, it's like, uh, like the visual aspect was ending. It became like patchy with black spots and then eventually that died. And then I was just, I was just, just looking at the inside of my eyelids, you know? And then um, I opened my eyes and I was awake. 
It's like okay. Um, right. Yeah. The only reason I ask is because I used when I used to have a lot of flying dreams. Uh, whenever whenever I would lose control of the of the flight, things would just start to spin uh, out hmm. of control. Um, I don't the think dream I... I've ever had though. Can I tell you real quick? Was yeah. No. Go ahead. Was was one where I I, I was sleep sleeping next to a, um, a girlfriend at the time, and I woke up looking at the ceiling and I turned to her and, you know, I thought I was awake and she turned into a cat or something, you know? <laughs> and so then I, I woke up again and, and I woke up from that dream probably about 10 times in a row. And it was terrifying because I didn't know whether I was stuck. I thought I was stuck actually. And the feeling came over me that I might be in a coma. Uh, mm. That was pretty bizarre and pretty scary actually. Damn, that is crazy. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that sounds almost like um, what is it when people uh, sleep paralysis? It's like uh, when you look at I, I've experienced that um, something similar to that, where um, when I was very young, it's like one of my earliest memories of a dream, you know. And I was I was probably like five or six years old, and I remember this there was like this cartoon, just like stereotypical cartoon witch. And I'm looking at it and it's just like, it's cartoony, you know, it's not something I would think is scary now, but as a kid, it was terrifying. And I'm looking at it and I, I'm like, okay, I'm dreaming. So I like, I, I close my eyes and I'm like, I'm gonna wake up. But I'm like locked into this dream. So I open my eyes again and she's like 10 feet closer. And I'm like, I try it again, close my eyes, open them again, she's closer, you know? Um, and I, I've, I've heard people experience that with their eyes open, where it's like they'll be uh, awake, but it's in like with their eyes open, but their body's still asleep. And they'll be, they'll see something, some kind of hallucination in the room with them. And it's usually something scary and intimidating. And um, there's like a, like a gripping fear associated with that. Um, yeah, yes. It, it seems to be a recurring theme that in the states between awake and dream is when you have some intense experiences, mm -hmm. right? And when you seem to be kind of aware of things in the physical realm that you're not usually aware of when you're totally awake that are perhaps there the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, that's another good way of looking at it is like, um, I noticed in your group, someone had posted, it might have been you, posted something about uh, the light spectrum and how observable light is a very small fraction of the light that surrounds us and passes through us and or i guess of, of the observable universe we see very very small sliver of it that's what they say yeah and you know that, that that's kind of something that is interesting to me about 5g radiation because light is actually more intense and more of a microwave radiation uh, um, radiation form of radiation electromagnetic radiation than 5g and yet light is not cooking us as we're standing there. Um, right. They don't make a microwave oven out of just light, right? It's microwaves. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot of mystery going on about, you know, well, for instance, for instance, what is light? Um, part of the electric universe model shows us that there's no such thing as a photon, um, mm -hmm. that uh, light is actually a um, a perturbance, a disturbance, an electromagnetic disturbance in the ether that travels out from that disturbance in all directions in the form of light, much like a wave comes off of a boat. But you wouldn't think that the boat is shooting particles of water at you, right? So right. the light is not shooting photons at you. It's disturbing the wave. It's making waves in the, the ether that are traveling at a certain speed. Damn. It's kind of mind fucky. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, that's, what, that's what's beautiful about the electric model, um, the, electro, the electric universe model and the terrain model. They are both revolutionizing the fundamental way that we look at Earth and they're both, they just, they're just so much more healthier. They feel right. They, they make sense. They, you can work with it. It's all about, you know, connected, connectivity. We are connected. We are one body. We are not a bunch of different parts or just alienated planets and stars. We're not just alienated pieces of, of flesh. It is a holistic body mm. acting as one. 
And yeah. that's what the universe is at large. And that's why I've made that group to connect those two ideas from the small to the large, from the individual body to the body of the cosmos. That's, um, <clears throat> have you ever heard the phrase as above, so below? Yes, personally. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you pretty much just explained it. That's, that's the principle. Right. And so, like, for instance, like in the electric universe model, they can recreate what they're, what they, you know, you can't recreate a, a black hole or a neutron star, or they can't find all of these, you know, these um, imaginary particles that they're, they're, that they're just inventing to kind of fit the universe into their theory of quantum mechanics and general relativity. But in the electric universe model, they have recreated what they are seeing on a smaller scale in the laboratory on Earth by using electricity and electromagnetics. That's pretty that crazy. A working, you know, a quantum mechanics and general relativity have traveled so far outside from, from what actual science is. They don't experiment on anything anymore. It's just computer models and math, right? That's mm -hmm. not physics. Physics is experimenting with the physical universe. Right. And it's just like germ theory. Germ theory has no basis in reality. They cannot recreate a, a, a contagion in a lab. So it's not, it's just, it's just based on a fantasy. Damn. <laughs> we're so misinformed. Well, we're, we are so informed now, right? We're, we are informed because our bodies know everything. Mm. It knows what to do already. We are created with the genius of the intelligence of the universe. That's what this whole pandemic is fighting us from waking up to. We've always known that throughout our time as human beings on planet Earth. We've lived as tribal people uh, in harmony with the planet for hundreds of thousands of years. It's not only until this last, you know, this germ theory thing came along a couple hundred years ago that made us forget that. So this is really, this awakening is a great remembering. It's not like okay. we're learning anything new. It's just remembering okay. what we are, you know, always have. I, I like that perspective. Is there anything you want to talk about, Peter, before we close out? I just want to thank you guys for the opportunity again. Uh, this has really been an amazing experience. And Dude. just to be able to talk about these things is, and for you guys to be willing to give the, the, the platform to reach more people about these ideas is really a beautiful thing. And God bless you guys for that. Thank you. Dude, no problem, man. Thanks for doing this. We appreciate you being here. Um, if you want to see more of Peter Ledetto, you can check out his page, The Viral Truth Dream Energy on Facebook. And um, thanks again for joining us. Man. Uh, can I give one last um, yeah. kind of shout out to you? Also, while you're on Facebook, check out Dream Theory. Uh, refutes uh, germ theory, which is the mother group of of of, of this whole idea um, uh, and this whole awakening uh, in, uh, from the um, terrain model perspective, and um, that is where you're going to find the greatest wealth of knowledge about the terrain model. What did you say the name of the page was again? Uh, terrain model refutes germ theory. Okay, I want to make sure I. Um post a link to that somewhere in the comments or something. Okay. Cool, man. Well, thanks again, Peter. It was nice talking to you. Thank you, gentlemen. It's been an honor. <laughs> All right, everyone. Uh, we'll see you next week. Have a good night. Thank you. Good night.